Hello and welcome to The Haunted. I'm Freddie Young, the second best male belly dancer in Turkey and part-time roadie and pyrotechnics technician for WAN. Well, you're an expert at these things. Uh, well, obvi obviously not the belly dancer because you're a number two. Number two in the world. Well, who are you? Uh, Vanessa Mitchell. <laughs> just, just, yeah, I'm just still sticking <laughs> with it. Hello, guys, and yes, welcome to The Haunted. I apologise again for our absence. So That was Freddie's fault this time. That's my me. fault this time. So I have Normally moved Normally drives out. me mad if I can't do a podcast. Ah, moaning and screaming and performing like you wouldn't believe. This time it's at his fault. And guess what I said? Okay, babe, no dramas. So uh, note that, please, Freddie. Can we, take, can we have audience. that in the minutes? Please. So, uh, no, yes, apologies. So, as we have alluded to in the past, I would be moving house, which I have done now. I have moved. And Hence our silence. Yes. I mean, I'm happy. You come round, didn't you, to come and view. Yeah, me and Jude came round. My new abode. Lovely. It is we gorgeous. love. We love that. We love that. With um, a beautiful spiral staircase from the kitchen balcony doors down to the garden, because the kitchen is upstairs. Absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely spot on. I will once my garden's all up and running. I'll post some pictures for all of you to see. But I will start this episode uh, off. Well, it's not off topic. It's on brand. Yeah. But not on the topic of this week's episode. I have recently purchased for my lovely new garden a. Statue of a Lion. I bought it on Facebook Marketplace for £5. Now, when I went to collect this, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful statue. Solid, really, really heavy. Mm. Um, the man that I bought it from... It's a lion pounced on a... A ram. Ram. Um, the, the man I bought it from said, Oh, um, that's been here since the 1930s. When I bought the house, the people said that that's got to stay here. Now, you're, you got your heebie jeebies. If that isn't the heads up, which is the minute he told me, and oh. that's not even the start of it. And he said that the, the reason I'm selling it is he went because me, me dog doesn't stop barking at it. Well, listen, I'm and just. I'm like, what? Unfortunately, my paranormal sense doesn't kick in, but my bargain hunter sense does. <sighs> because uh, since I've taken it home, I found out that actually it's uh, an antique. And worth at least £500. But let's just go back a little bit. The one that Freddie did see for £500 was, was quite badly damaged in four different places. Freddie's one isn't. The point is, like I said when he regaled me with all this lovely information, one, you've just brought an object. There's a warning straight away shouldn't be taken from the house. Two, the dog doesn't stop barking at it, which we know dogs see energy. And... Um, that's really the least of it, but I think we're going to talk about that. Well, I'm going. We're going to look at. I'm going to look a little bit more into it. I'm going to try and understand, try and see, try and figure out what's going on. But the long short of it is, and this there's there's something odd in the house. Potentially, we've got a cursed lion in the garden. Time will tell. Haunted object. Haunted object. Well, I put money on it. I said we should do some investigations around it, but. You know, you've got the warning, the dogs bark at it, the man sold it for a fiver. I mean, he'd obviously looked on eBay and see it was worth a fortune, but just, he just wanted, couldn't get rid of it. And now you've got activity in the house. Because you know. I, I promise you, I turned up, the man was stood in the driveway, ready. With, with it. it. With it, 
going here, here. Take it, take it, take it. Five pounds. And he, but he had made a point of telling me how unusual it was and described yeah, it to me in detail and said, oh, you know, it's this, it's that. Listen, he wasn't a silly man. He would now, have... I said to Freddie, you don't have to be a parapsychologist to work this one out. Now, we're both trained in parapsychology and you obviously had your bargain, hunt heads, and I'm like, what? Especially since there's been activity in the house. So I think, I mean, my, my, my honest suggestion is get shot of it as soon as possible. But my parapsychology head says... Keep it for a little while and let's do some investigations around it. Well, if anyone wants to buy a cursed lion from me, please get in touch. Uh, I can arrange a good price for you. However, right, I'll get back to you next week on this one. We'll, we'll do some research, we'll figure it out, and then I'll let you all know. Oh, and apparently it was made in 18... 1850. Yeah, it was made it, in it 1850. Hand, hand-crafted, hand-crafted from stone. It. and oh, yeah. listen, it, it took two of us to carry it. It's very heavy. Um... But we're going to go into this week's episode. Yes. Well, this is it, this week's episode. It is part one of two. So we've got a running theme here. So it's not a um, one story that goes across two episodes. We've got a running theme. And that is haunted theatres. And I think that's quite a good... Yeah. Because, quite a good topic. I mean, we all know theatres are notoriously haunted. Pretty much all of them, from what I can make out. Yeah, well, when I was I was trying to find um, lots of different theatres, so I've tried to pick a few from all over the world. So we're in England, we're in America, we're in New Zealand at some point as well. Um, yeah, there's there is there's a lot of hauntings, but I think as well, um, there's a lot of superstition attached to the yes, theatre. Yes, of course. So I'm going to give you some, just some of the superstitions that people follow in the theatre that I feel relate to the topic of the paranormal. Mm. So the first one being um, is that most theatres, I'll say, uh, leave something on called the ghost light. I've heard of this ghost light. So um, a ghost light remains turned on and that is at the centre of the stage yeah. when all the other lights have been turned out. And so many thespians believe that the ghost light wards off these spirits other people think that it gives um all the spectral performers a lighted area to perform in other people practically say um so you don't fall down trap doors and yeah, uh, and things yeah. like that there's probably a little bit of truth in all of that yes but listen i think it's i think it's quite nice a ghost light in the center of the stage mm. that's one also as well I didn't know this, but it's quite interesting. Whistling backstage in a theatre is considered a jinx. Yes, I've heard of that one. Um, so it's a superstition, but it, it, it comes from a place of uh, practicality, um, essentially. So in the old days of theatre, scenery and stuff was manually lifted um, into the air. But, and, you know, you had men on ropes hoisting and pulling the ropes and whatever. And they communicated by whistling to each other. So if you whistled backstage, they would consider that, oh, let's move the scene. And yeah. so potentially you'd have a sandbag on your head um, or crushed by a bit of, you know, bit of yeah. wall, bit of scenery. And so it's just, it's the rule stuck because now it's all done by hydraulics and advanced rigging systems and electronically. But you, 
you're not allowed to whistle backstage. No. And it, it stems back from this, which I think is quite interesting. Um, so apparently, this is another one. When a theatre production closes, it is considered good luck to give the director of the production a bouquet of flowers stolen from a graveyard. Really? Yes. Now... I tried to look a little bit more into this to try and get... I was like, why? 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 So some people have said, you know, it, because it because it's coming to an end and much, you know, if flowers are in a graveyard, that person's life has come to an end. It, it's, Do you know what I would have said instinctively, just thinking about that, because it's the first time I've heard it? Maybe in the old days, obviously it's always customary to give flowers, but maybe in the old days nobody could afford them. Correct. So you went to a well, graveyard. This is, well, this is, and this is what it is. Actors oh, is were, it? Am actors, I right? actors were so poorly paid. Ah, you see, that was just off instinct. So poorly paid back then that they didn't really, they didn't have the money to, to buy people flowers. So would steal them from a graveyard. But it's, it's become customary now. It's, it's, it's not a yeah. superstition, but it's, it's a custom that's been adopt, adopted. Well, I'm just going to tell you a story. Um, there was someone that I visited in my local graveyard when I was a kid, still do now. And of course, when you're a kid, you never had money so um, for flowers. So you know what I did? I used to steal one flower off every bunch. By the time I'd gone round the graveyard, I had the biggest bunch of flowers. Nobody noticed, but I could lay flowers in due respect to the person I was giving it to. But yeah, I thought, right, how am I going to get around this? So I just took one off of every bunch. Well, I, I, listen, if I, if I was in my grave and I had a bunch of flowers... And someone couldn't afford a bunch of flowers to respect somebody. I'd go. You could have a couple. Yeah, off so mine. would I. Yeah, you could have a couple that. off mine. That's okay. But yeah, I thought again, that's quite interesting. Yeah. But they they've tried to sell it as you know. Oh no, it's the end. You know, the productions come to an end. So that's why we do it. No, listen, it's because actors were so poorly paid. Yeah. They had no choice, and they wanted to commemorate it. They wanted to gift something to of the course, director. Yeah, yeah. Um. So steal it from a graveyard. So. As well, so there is also um, some people, when things go wrong in the theatre, which it does quite often, they will point to the ghost of Thespius. Mm. And Thespius uh, was the first actor in ancient Greece to step out of the chorus and play an actual character. So they feel that it's the curse of, of this person that comes back and haunts and does all the wrongdoings and things. So if something goes wrong, but you know, people sometimes will blame this character. So hence the the, the term thespian, thespian, I take it. Yeah. Correct. Thespian comes from Thespis, who was the first actor, or supposedly That's the first. That's an interesting bit of information as well. So that must have been back in the day because it's been called thespians for a long time. But yeah, yeah no, interesting, yeah. And so sometimes they blame it on the ghost of, of Thespis that's come back to wreak a bit of havoc and keep everyone on their toes, essentially. That's interesting. That's yeah. one of the type of questions you get on who wants to be a millionaire or something. And then, like, you'd never know it. But a little bit of information like little, that is, is good to keep in the brain. Hold it? hold on to that, because it might be a little slumdog millionaire moment and you can say, oh, well, I know this because I listen to the Haunted Podcast. Yeah, well, share it with us, please, if you share win a million quid. Yeah, if you, if you win a million quid, we take commission. Um, another one is, obviously, traditionally, you tell someone to break a leg. Instead, yeah. instead of good luck. And that is because a person is never supposed to wish an actor good luck, but instead, say, break a leg. Yeah. And that is because many theatre folk believe that there are mischief-making spirits of the stage who use their magic to force the opposite of what you wish to happen. Oh, 
Another theory comes from the idea that the word leg doesn't refer to an actor's leg, but to the theatrical curtains that mask the backstage, and they're known as legs. So breaking a leg means that you've crossed from backstage onto the actual stage, which is really? ultimately like the ultimate goal, isn't it? You like you want to be out, yeah, that's out on the stage as well, and getting into the spotlight. Yeah, I, I like that. I would lend it more maybe to the fact that the curtains are are known as legs. Yeah. So to break the legs. Yes, I agree. Is yeah. to is to get out there. But anyway, listen, all interesting stuff. We like we like things like that. So I'm gonna start now with our first theatre, and it is commonly dubbed the most haunted theatre in the world. Mm. And that is the Theatre Royal Drury Lane. Do you know it? I've never been inside it. Have you heard of it? Yes, of course. So, um, Drury Lane, as it's commonly known, is a West End theatre in Covent Garden, London, England. Um, our manor. Our manor. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, history, a bit of a backstory, so, so you can have a bit of understanding here. So the building as it stands is the line of four theatres all built onto the same location the earliest of which dates back to 1663 making it the oldest theatre site in london still in use so that there really? are sites in in london where there was older theatres but they're no, they're no longer in use but what about the shakespeare one that you can see the from globe. the thames i mean that must have been bloody old well we probably but not as old as this. It's not as old as this. It, it is. It's the, it's the oldest. It's the oldest running. No, but that's rebuilt. That burnt down. Oh, so they've rebuilt it in the old style because that looks like it was. Yeah, so it, it's been rebuilt. Built to, to, to yeah. as a replica. Okay. But the the building that is there now, the Theatre Royal, is one of four buildings. The earliest was sixteen sixty three. And then there's been four buildings on the exact same site since mm. because things have happened. Um, so for its first two centuries, um, Drury Lane was um, claimed to be London's leading theatre. I, I would argue that it probably is still one off. It still is one I mean, of the... I mean, you like theatre. Have you been there? Yeah, I've been there. I've been there a few times. Is it, is it quite big or, or... Yeah, it's quite... Yeah, it's yeah. a good size. Mm. Um for most of that time, it was one of a handful of patent theatres. So that is um, like spoken plays, so like a drama, as opposed to opera, dance, concerts, yeah, um, and things like that. So it's, and that was quite unusual for the time. Mm. So the first theatre that was built on the site was at the command of a man called Thomas. Killigrew, and that was in the early 1600s and he was an english dramatist and theater manager and he was a really kind of well-known witty figure of king charles the second right um it was initially known as theater royal in british street and the theater's proprietors hired prominent prominent actors who performed at the theater on a regular basis in 1672 the theater caught fire and burnt down. So Killigrew built a bigger theatre on the exact same plot and renamed it the Theatre Royal in Drury Lane. It opened in 1674 and this building lasted nearly 120 years. Um, 
so it was it was overseen by lots and lots of people uh, but the last one was a man called Richard Brinsley Sherendon and he employed a man called Joseph Grimaldi as the theatre's resident clown and we'll get into that a little bit more as, as we go on because uh, Grimaldi is quite an infamous infamous character I've that, heard of that name I don't know what pertaining to but obviously this but so I, he he's like the the original clown so what you consider a clown uh, to yeah. be now you know the white face yeah, the big yeah. makeup he that it all leads back to that man right he he created that character so in 1791, under Sheridan's management, the building was demolished to make way for a larger theatre, which opened in 1794. This new Drury Lane theatre survived for 15 years before it burnt down again in 1809. Mm. The building that stands there today was opened in 1812, and, you know, it has been there since that time and has seen all kinds of people and has been the birthplace of many many careers and actors and actresses um, another name that i'll mention that will lead on to to the ghost stories is a, a very well-known comedian called dan leno mm. remember that name, name. Yeah. hold it in hold it in your head um so the theater has hosted lots and lots of prominent shows so some of the biggest oklahoma my fair lady 42nd street and Miss Saigon, and that was the theatre's longest-running show. Do mm -hmm. you know Miss Saigon? Yeah, I've heard of it. Oh, yeah. So it's hosted uh, Sweeney Todd, Witches of Eastwick, uh, the My Fair Lady, Anything Goes, The Producers, Lord of the Rings, The Musical, Shrek, The Musical, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Bloody hell. And most presently, Frozen. Ah. I won't be watching Frozen. Um <laughs> The theatre is currently owned by none other than Andrew, Andrew Lloyd, Lloyd Webber. Webber. He owns about 20 theatres, so the odds on it was going to be him. <laughs> odds on, it. odds on. Um, so, yeah, like I said, its uh, most current production is da -da -da -da, Frozen. Not a bit of me. So, it's most... Let it go, let it go. <laughs> What the, what the, <laughs> That's what they sing, what, isn't it? Oh, goodness. Well, listen, if there's ever a revival, we know. <laughs> get, we... get me on, Andrew. Andy, give us a call, babe. Come on, Andy, I'm give available us a shout. Give us, for get, a fee. Get your piano out. Right. <laughs> the the kind of the main ghost or the most well-known spirit at Drury Lane is the man in grey. Not the lady in grey, the man in grey. Mm. He's very, very well-known. So he is seen to appear kind of like an 18th century hat, wig and cloak. And he is seen in the fourth row of the upper circle between the hours of 10 and 6. Mm. He then walks along the row of seats and through the wall. Yeah. Now, so he's not seen on the stage, he's seen in the audience. He's seen in the audience. So there was a refurbishment of the theatre in and around maybe 1870s. And during the renovations, workmen went about their business and was doing whatever, and they broke into a hidden room behind the wall in which the ghost always vanishes. Inside, they found the skeleton of a man surrounded by remnants of grey cloth and a dagger protruding from its ribcage. No. Yeah. It has been speculated that the remains were those of a young man who came up to London during the time of Queen Anne. 
Having won the affections of an actress in the theatre, he was murdered by her actor lover in a fit of jealous rage and his body subsequently hidden in the secret recess where it laid undiscovered until the Victorian renovations of the theatre. that's crazy. Sightings of the man, you know, have been going way back when, uh, but some one of the biggest sightings was in 1939 when the entire cast of the dancing years saw him mm. so you know these these big theatres it's, it's no two-bit production yeah yeah so if, if an entire cast it, you know that's a huge yeah. huge number of people all to see the same thing and it's quite well documented um he's also been seen by members of the audience uh by famous actors too um, by firemen, theatre managers, and you know lots of other staff that work at so the theatre. So his energy is strong then, because he's just basically anyone can see him. Yeah, lots and lots and lots Pretty of people it. have seen him. So he's sometimes uh, been seen sitting at the end seat of the fourth row by the central gangway of the upper circle. And one morning, a cleaner who was quite new to the theatre and didn't really know kind of the history and the stories of, of the place, um, encountered him in his, in his seat at about 10 o'clock in the morning and she thought that he was an actor. So she set down all her bits that she yeah. was cleaning. She was chatting away to him and then he just vanished. He just disappeared. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing with this story is, it's obviously poetic licence that he was murdered by yeah, his I, lovers. Yeah. So that's obviously made up. But I mean, that could be true, but we don't know that. But it's obviously something what something strong why he's still there he, while he's still there uh, but this this same cleaner so he vanished in the seat and then when she looked around she saw him walking back into the oh, wall sorry i've just had a thought maybe he could have been i'm saying that probably would have been good i'm just thinking maybe he would have been an actor that would have got a lead role and more of a secondary actor would have been jealous and killed him so the other actor that the stand well, he's could have played that he's that... understudies what i mean Ooh. yeah it could be that Listen, that's a murder mystery book. That's an Agatha Christie. That's your bestseller. You well, want to get right in that. I'm going to do it. Do it. Um, but spotting the man in grey is seen as a good sign by actors and directors because witnessing his apparition usually means that the play will go on to become a success. Mm. So it's been reported that the man in grey has been spotted during rehearsals for Oklahoma, South Pacific, Carousel and King and I. Mm. And yes, yeah, so people so when when they see that they're not necessarily well. Maybe they are scared, they see it as an but I think of good. oh yeah, omen of good. And I think that's nice. Well, that's nice. Make something good of it. Yeah, something good of it. So there's lots of other ghosts at the Theatre Royal, Drury Lane. Um, so there, in um the corridors and stuff, there's meant to be a shadowy figure, and that is thought to be an Irish actor called Charles Macklin. Um, he was a very respected and distinguished actor who, according to public records, accidentally murdered a fellow actor in 1735. So apparently he'd had a bit of a heated argument over a wig during rehearsals for a show <laughs> called Trick for Trick. Which you can imagine these thespians would. Um, the fight became a physical and it resulted in the death of the other performer after Charles struck him with a stick, yeah. which inadvertently impaled his eye and reached his brain. Oh, for God's sake. So he whacked him one. Yeah, he wouldn't have done that deliberately. And then it, and yeah, and then it just 
Yeah, he wouldn't have just fucking stabbed him through the eye. Oh, yeah, well, like, fu- like furious. So, so do we know what happened? Was was he imprisoned? What, you know, do we know what happened to him? Um, unsure, unsure. I didn't didn't research that heavily into it. But... You see, because I like to know the the outcome of these, because there could be another story to that. You know, was he in prison for us? Was he hung? Well, I should. I can well imagine he probably was imprisoned for his deeds. Mm. His naughty, naughty deeds at the time. Yeah, and so maybe he comes back. Um, but yeah, yeah, again, so the the figure of of the man, what they believe to be um, Charles Macklin, is seen to roam um, the kind of the backstage area. Have, you ever, have you ever been backstage of a theatre? Um, only school productions and stuff. Not since a grown adult, no. No, they are very... I've spent a lot of time backstage in dressing rooms and in the corridors and in the wings and stuff. It's uh, they're magical places, yeah. but and you can understand why there's I, I, so much energy. Yes, I I understand the feeling with them. It, it is strong, and yeah, I, I get. I, it's hard to explain, but I get what you're saying. I can't put an example on it. But I know even from the, the few I was involved at school and stuff, even that, the excitement and the buzz, but you imagine that like a big theatre. I can only imagine that would be amazing. And, you know, if you, if you hit the big time and got your big leading role, yeah. I can well imagine and see how that is an absolute highlight God, yeah. for someone's life. Well, of course, it's what they work for their life to be on yeah. the big stage, yeah. So I, I can... But there is, there's a buzz in a theatre. And that's why I think so many actors that do big blockbuster movies... Just go back to tread the boards because they love that. They love well. They call it the grease. You know the the smell of the. You know they just love it, don't they? It's, I can imagine it's very very different. Listen, I'm not Tom Cruise. I've not done loads of big time Hollywood productions or anything like that. But I've done stage. I've <laughs> you got... just said that like that could be a chance. <laughs> I haven't done anything like that. Obviously, not I... yet. Listen, guys. <laughs> yeah. You never know. I might be cast as uh, Wailing Woman 2 in the next... You might be cast in the one that you love. What do you call it when you sing the song for it? The um, Rocky Horror. I could be the next Rocky... You could be in Frank, Rocky Horror. I could because, be the next Frank Furter. Because that's what you love, the Rocky Horror. Yeah, you'd be good at that. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, we digress as we always do. So we move on now to another spirit that is meant to frequent the uh, Theatre Royal, and that is a man called George Wild, Wild Galvin. Mm. And um, stage actor, comedian in the late 1800s, f- actually known as Dan Leno. Right, That's yeah, a stage said, name. Uh, yeah. Would you have a stage name? Yeah, but I don't know what it would be. You put me on the spot with these things, but my brain isn't as quick as yours. I'd have to because I I would have to I would have to have a different name because Freddie Young is already an, a free time Oscar winner. Oh, so yeah, you'd have yeah. Go on then. What would yours be? You've obviously thought about it before. I don't know. Honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll pass. I'd want like some alliteration, so like Freddie Foster or so, or so, you know, like something so like. So you'd that. want your first name? Yeah. Well, Fred's a good name, solid name. Why don't you have Freddie Mitchell? No, because that's a bit too East Enders. That is for me. very East Enders, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Mitchell now is very East End because obviously of the show and the Mitchell family. Um, yeah, I'd like some alliteration. Yeah, so Freddie Fuller. Freddie... Why don't you have 
Freddie Laflage. Laflage. Yeah, Freddie Laflange. Bad word for me. Put a little hyphen in it. Put a little accent on it. Yeah, I'll take Freddy it. Freddie Laflange. Freddie Laflange. Yeah, all right. Not Freddie Laflange. It would be spelt Freddie Laflange, but you'd <laughs> but you'd La you'd pronounce Flange. it Flange. So Flange. you go Freddie Laflange. I Blanche. think I'm going to call you that from now. Yeah, well, listen, I might, I'm going to adopt that. <laughs> Deep, I'll better get ready. Freddie Laflange. With a little hyphen on the E. Listen, just remember that I thought of it. There you go. Right. Anyway, sorry, poor Dan Leno. Anyway, um, much loved stage actor and comedian of the late 1800s. Uh, was very, very well known for performing in pantomimes. Yeah. Uh, would often play the dame. Mm. But at the height of his popularity, he went mad. Probably is, is the best way to put it. He, he suffered quite badly with his mental health and died in 1904, aged just 43. Was that the days when they were all on the um, absinthe and all the drugs and everything? More Was than that likely. That time? More they, than likely. Because lots of actors were, and half of them went deranged, didn't they? Because it yeah. met the amount of drugs and. Bloody high quality booze, absinthe they would take him. Yeah, probably um, that. Well, listen, he was he was very very well known to be a very troubled um, individual, and he fell deeply into alcoholism. Yeah. So yeah, he he was sent round the bend from all the vendors. Well, don't blame him. His ghost, however, has refused to leave the building and leave the spotlight, and he often returns for an encore. Leno suffered really badly uh, from incontinence, and he would disguise that. He was off his nut all the whole time. Well, he kept yeah. pissing himself. No, I think it was the other the way. other end. The other oh, end. Same thing. If you're that off your nut, that's probably why. But he would disguise that with um, very strong perfumes and nice smells, um, often with lavender hints of lavender. Yeah, I would say. So actors on stage will often detect his presence because there is the, the strongest smell. smell of lavender lingering around yeah. and it's quite contained. So it's not as if you walk into a room and it just all smells of lavender. There's a part of the room that yeah, would smell of yeah, lavender yeah, or that, a part yeah. of the corridor that would smell yeah, of lavender. Yeah. Uh, so there was quite an infamous um, incident so, in 1981, during a performance of the Pirates of Penzance, you know that one? Yeah. Yeah. And Nick Bromley, who was the company manager, was standing in the wings one night watching the performance when suddenly he was pushed violently from behind. He spun around and found that nobody was there. The next night, an actress was standing in the exact same spot when somebody tugged on her wig from behind. But again, she turned around to find that nobody was behind her. And... Um, People passing um, around and stuff were, were commented on the smells of lavender yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So he was really prominent during this production, should we say. Um, another thing as well is people that often pass what would have been his dressing room have reported hearing um, like a drumming sound emanating from the room. And they believe that that is his ghost rehearsing his famous clog dancing routine. Yeah. Well, of course, yeah. I bought a pair of clogs today. What? Well, they're not really clogs. What? Not what ornament clogs? No, they're like winter Birkenstocks. They look a bit like clogs. They're lovely. So they're not really clogs then. They're I not reckon. wooden shoes. <laughs> Mind you, nothing would surprise me with, with you. 
<laughs> it wouldn't surprise me at all if I turned up one day around your place with a pair of wooden clogs on and your kimono on. It, I wouldn't even butt an eyelid. Well, there you go. Um, we move on now to another famous spirit that is meant to haunt the very famous Theatre Royal, and that is the ghost of Joseph Grimaldi, which is the person that I spoke the clown, about. Yeah. The clown, Um, So he, again, had a very long and distinctive theatre career, and like I said, single-handedly laid the foundations of pantomime tradition and um, clown acts and things like that. So he had the character with the white-faced, um, big, big makeup, and that because of him, it's really popular now to call clowns Joey's, and that's because it relates to him. Right. Okay. Um, but being a clown and his act, it was quite strenuous, I would say. Yeah. And he performed rigorously, and that took a real toll on his body and his health, and. So can I just say, I've had a text on my phone. We've just had a power cut alert for this area. So that's what those beeps were. So if, if it goes off, it's not us, but we've just got a power cut alert. I've just had it on my phone. Yeah, we'll so be I'm just saying, right. So I'm sure we'll be fine, but the wind's bad here tonight. But just to let you know, if we go off, it's not us. I've literally just had it on my phone for, from the electric people that there is a power cut. Potentially a power cut coming. Power cut imminent, so let's try and get this done. So, as I was saying, um, being the, the clown that he is, would often perform acrobatics, and because he was so popular, he would perform at more than one venue. So, he'd do one show and then run across the street and do another show, and that really, really took a toll on, on him and his health and his body. And he was overcome with a crippling disease and he was forced to give up acting. By 1818, he was absolutely destitute. And they held a benefit performance organised by the people at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane. So, despite being carried onto the stage during the performance, and he was only able to perform seated, he was still as magical as he was back in his in his prime. And the audience was said to, you know, it was an absolute highlight for them, and they he still had it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He still had, and that's, and I think that goes for a lot of people. If you've got it, you got it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like me. Like you, Fred. Like me. So he died in eighteen thirty-seven, and his ghost is rumoured to have returned many, many times to the Theatre Royal. He is renowned for giving a mischievous kick to actors, cleaners, ushers. They've all been on the receiving end of his, uh, his boot, so to say. Lordy. Um, but the the strangest thing, and this is what I kind of will lean into, is that one of his final wishes, which I don't really understand, is that he wanted his head to be severed from his body prior to burial. What? They, they honoured his request. Um, but very famously, a floating white face is seen around the theatre. Did he actually ever tell anyone why he why this was the request? He must have done. Well, he must have asked. 
Well, they might have done, but that might have been exclusive to friends and family. I, I, I don't know. But there is, there is a spectral white head that floats around in the wings and backstage and stuff. How weird. How what very, weird very request. weird. Um, he's also as well known to, and uh, this is my favourite bit, but he will push actors when they're on stage into their, the best spot to deliver their line. Yeah. So he's like, come on, move, yeah, move, move. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so people have been on stage quite a lot and can feel someone pushing and guiding them. And also as well, if someone gets a particularly good laugh, he will pat them on the back. He'll give them a, well done. Yeah. Well yeah. done. That was a good one. Um, so that is the Theatre Royal Drury Lane. That's a couple of its ghosts. Listen, it's a real, real famous haunted location. They do some great productions there. If, if you're in England, great. Get yourself down there, have a look. If you're not, it's worth a visit. It's in Covent Garden, and that's, that's a real hub of London. Covent Garden's beautiful. I love it. Mm. Good. Get yourself over there. So I'm going to jump across the pond now, and we're going to New York City. New York. New hot dog. Get your hot dog. We're in New York City. Whoa. Coffee. Co coffee. So we're at the Belasco Theatre, New York City. I'm, I've offended about half a million people. He's a trier, though. He's a trier. <laughs> You've got to try these things, Fred. Oh, no, I've said the Belasco Theatre. That's next week's episode. We're at the New Amsterdam Theatre. Oh. In where? New York. New York. Still in New York, but this story's better. I like this story better. Okay. Right. Sit down. Are you ready? So people at the New Amsterdam Theatre have experienced everything you can associate it, um, with a haunting. So there's been odd accountable noises, knockings, doors opening, cabinets opening, lights flickering, cold spots, mists, orbs, objects moving, voices. There's been kind of wispy manifestations. There's been faces in the mirrors and windows and there's been full human apparitions at this place. It's a very, very active place. Mm. And some of the apparitions are um, intelligent, I would say. They can speak, they can touch. Yeah. They're quite well known for it. Now, the New Amsterdam Theatre, the culprit is apparently a young lady named Olive Thomas. Um, she was a one-time... Ziegfeld Follies Chorus Girl. So the Ziegfeld Follies are famous. Um, you'd you'd recognise them if you saw a picture, but they're kind of like the beautiful chorus girls, and they you know would march up and down the flights of stairs with all the feathers, and it, you know it's all beautiful. It's all a big big show. Um, she is known as one of the most active ghosts on Broadway. And she manifests so frequently that um, Dana Mand um, Amandola, sorry, um, who is the vice president of operations for Disney, has placed photographs of her at every entrance to the theatre and every exit so workers can greet her when they arrive for work and leave for work wow. each day. And that's meant to that's meant to believe to keep her yeah. kind of mischief to a minimum. But you know she she's that active. Wow. That, you know, she's vice president of operations for Disney. Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. Crazy, crazy stuff. Her story, though, is incredibly, incredibly sad. So she um, 
was a chorus girl in the 1915 Ziegfeld Follies uh, on the, the main stage. And she was also involved in the subsequent Midnight Frolics at the more intimate New Amsterdam Roof. And that was on the top floor of the same building. So um, yeah, she, was in, she was involved across the lot. She was a very, very beautiful lady. I've got a picture of her. I'll show you as we go on. Mm. She was whisked out to Hollywood and she made a handful of silent movies and she married um, Jack Pickford. Now, his sister is a woman called Mary Pickford and it, she... Heard of the book. Well, listen, she is a superstar. She is one of the 36 founders of the Oscars, of the Academy Awards things. Yeah. And she is considered to be one of the most recognisable women in history. Really? So she is cited as America's sweetheart during the silent film era and the girl with the curls. Um, I'll show you a picture afterwards. You'll know exactly who she is. She is such a significant figure in the development of film acting and she was one of the earliest stars to be billed under her own name and one of, was one of the most popular actresses of the 1910s and 1920s and she had the nickname Queen of the Movies. Wow. So, she, so this fella's sister is big... Big, big time. Yeah, yeah. Jack Pickford as well was um, involved in the movies, not to the success of his sister, but, you know, he, he had a good mm. run. So, anyway, back to the story. So, she was madly in love with young Jack and they was travelling the world and being successful and doing what they did. And on a trip to Paris in 1920, Jack revealed that he had contracted syphilis and that she had more likely had had it as well. Um, what happened next is up for debate. So official reports say that Olive accidentally swallowed an overdose of Jack's medication, which was mercury bichloride. Yeah, mercury to, to, for stuff like that, didn't they, in those days? Which is, which is just going to kill you. Which, as we all know, is highly poisonous, especially in large quantities. But, you know, how do you accidentally take a whole bottle of pills you don't you know it's not yeah, as if no. like you've got a bang or a bottle of face. medicine yeah. yeah and you know you've had two paracetamols then you take another two because the pain's so terrible like she's taken the whole lot so you know who knows but unfortunately poor olive died two days later and her body was brought back to woodlawn cemetery in the bronx for burial and this is a picture of her. I'll post a picture of it. Pretty, lovely girl, yeah. Lovely. Young Olive. But this is when strange things started to happen. So workers at the New Amsterdam began telling friends that they'd run into Olive backstage, which was impossible. She was dead. Yeah. Uh, she appeared periodically throughout the 1920s, but then came quiet during the decades when 42nd Street um, went into decline and the theatre was underused. However, reports began picking up again when the Disney Corporation bought the theatre in the mid-1990s and began kind of a real big restoration. So construction workers began reporting that their off-limits work areas were being invaded by a woman carrying a blue bottle. The reports continued after the theatre reopened with um, King David and the Lion King and they've continued since. Uh, when they was doing their restorations and stuff, uh, they converted 
it's kind of lots of the space into office space for admin yeah, and, and, yeah. and whatever else. So as he passed below the stage, he become real kind of aware that there was tap dancing on the boards above him. Yeah. When he, he quickly run up there thinking, well, who the hell was in that, here? Yeah. Nobody, not a person. Um, early reports of Olive's appearance described a young woman wearing a sash and carrying a bottle of pills who would sometimes speak to people and whatever. Kind of in the early days of when Disney took over, the night watchman at the theatre resigned on the spot after seeing, you know, Olive walk across the stage and disappear through a, yeah. a, a solid wall. Yeah, I believe it. Olive often appears as well in the trap beneath what was once the stage yeah. um, area. The space where... Um, same space where Amandola heard the tap dancing. Yeah. That space is now used for storage, but employees still see a woman there and they sometimes um, see like disembodied feet almost climbing a staircase that yeah. would have been there. Yeah. So a little story from young... Dana Amendola, listen, real advocate for lovely Olive. So during previews of Aladdin, Amendola said a female replacement conductor who had worked on Mary Poppins and knew about Olive was getting ready in a dressing room. Reading an email from the conductor, Amendola said she spoke out loud to Olive and said, well, Olive, I'm back again and I'm a little bit nervous. I just want to introduce myself again yeah. and ask if you could please give me some good luck. Um, and then... All of a sudden, all the bulbs around the dressing room table started yeah, flickering yeah. on and off, on yeah. and on off, on and off. And she was just like, "Listen, I know that that's her saying. It is, yeah. is a bit of luck for you, girl. I think I think you're doing a grand job." Mm. That's a good story. Um, but they, the the staff at the theatre, are very aware that they are haunted by a spirit yeah. and they embrace it because they say she's not violent she's always always playful and she embodies what they're all there to do yeah, there to do yeah you know she's she makes them feel comfortable she makes them feel at ease she's homely because a lots of ghosts can be an asset Oh, yeah. I was saying to somebody the other day, they were saying I think it was in the house, and you know, I said, you know, well, a good ghost can actually be an asset in a house, or in a, or in a, a theatre, or or a location. So it sounds like she's one of those. And she, they say that she doesn't perform on cue. She doesn't just appear because it's Halloween yeah, yeah. and stuff. She comes when you almost forget about her, and when you need her, when you need a lift, yeah. when you need reminding, when you need something. And I think that's really lovely. Yeah, so do I. And I think it's. Yeah, testament to that not all spirits are bad. Yeah. Not all spirits are here to, you know, give you terrify sleep. Terrify the life. Yeah, right, terrify yeah. The, You know, in, in that moment, it might be a scary experience, but you have to remember they're there to yeah. sometimes, or for the, I'd say for the most well. part, for the most part, I would say. Yeah. Are there, are there to guide and remind and, you know, and to give you a little lift. And if negative, I, I'd agree with you, I think for the most part, um... Unless they are negative, which is a different matter altogether, then yeah, that they can be an asset. I would say so. But listen, young Olive has her own fan club and people try and hide in the theatre so they can be there like after dark and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And so now the staff there have to do a special sweep 
after yeah. every performance to make sure there's no stowaways and they can just swiftly escort them out. Yes. And that and that is the mark that she's left. And you know, she she left this world tragically and she was a star. And she still is. She's still well known. She's still a, she's still a name. And, I and think she's that's still around, around, and she's, around the, the environment that she loved best. Yeah, and I think that's lovely. Well, anyway, that is part one of Haunted Theatres. We come back next week with um, a few more theatres, a few more ghostly stories. So stay tuned well, for that I one. Well, I want to know is if we have a blackout soon... Are you going to stay? Because this house was built in 1846. And is if that the it? lights go off... Is that it? I thought it was a lot older than that. Well, isn't that old enough? No. I thought it was a lot older than that. No. Well, listen, I wasn't going to get somewhere completely ancient. It was older than I thought it was. 1846, this house. Unlike the cage, which was bloody 1500s, but... Um, well, it was the same as my one. Oh, I thought it was a lot older than this. No. 1846, apparently. Well, there you go. Well, I shall... If, when the lights go down... Hope it, I'll I, be I, off. Please, God, it it doesn't, because I don't like power. Oh, I don't reckon if it was going to go, it would go by now. So, guys, pray for us we'll in our time you know. of need, in our time of... <laughs> <laughs> darkness. Darkness. As darkness descends. But, guys, listen, as always, please, please, please follow all of our social medias so you can stay up to date and see some of the images that we talk about today. So, um, Twitter is The Haunted Pcast. Instagram is The Haunted Podcast Official. Facebook as well is The Haunted Podcast Official. You can follow us on TikTok as well, and that is The Haunted Podcast. I'll post all of this in the episode description. Um, as always, guys, we have set up a, a PayPal account, so if... You are in the position to um, donate, donate to us. Donate, donate to, to, to this us. podcast. Uh, all of it is to help us grow. It doesn't help us pay the bills or whatever. It's all about kind of doing new things for the podcast. We want to try and get live on some locations and get ourselves out onto if some any investigations. Out there that are interested in us, let us know, guys. Listen, you can. We're the most accessible podcast in the world. I'd even, I'd give you my mobile number, but I'm not going to. But you can email us directly as well if you don't want to reach out to us on social media. And that is thehauntedpodcastofficial at gmail.com. That email address is also the email address linked to our PayPal account. So if you are in a position where you've got a spare quid or spare dollar, um, we'd appreciate or it. Or anything, a yen. <laughs> no, we don't want a yen. What's want... a yen? No, I know it's Japanese. Naught point, naught, 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 three oh. pence. So I don't even think... Don't... Lira. A lira, yeah. Oh no, I like lira. lira. Oh, that's gone now. No lira, still Turkey. Okay. I've got lots of lira Anything. indoors. Anything. Not that we're begging, but anyway, guys, <laughs> have a have a blessed week. I think we'd have a I think we'd have a party if we got a tenner. But anyway, yeah. Have a blessed week. Be good. Be safe. Be honest. And we'll see you soon. soon. Bye. Bye.